Good morning, heart and soul. I am um, on this adventure in faith. We all are. And this morning, I'm, I'm feeling just slightly giddy because, uh, well, just I'm just going to let this unfold and and see. But there's a there's an energetic presence that I am feeling, and whenever I feel that, I'm uh, I'm often wondering what what's riding on that. You know what's going to be revealed because I get that there's something like kind of bubbling up, kind of gurgling in a sense, and maybe it's my um, my excitement, my enthusiasm that Liberta is go- is with us this morning and will be our um, musical inspiration with the amazing Tammy Hall. So it could be just that simple, and it could be that. You know, I know spirit ain't done yet with me, so I just am often surprised what it's willing to do on camera and on mic. So, look at here. Ernest Holmes offers us this idea. Let, let, let me set the context that, that I'm still... One of my concerns for, for us, for me, for us, is... Our sense of our relationship with the divine. I can tell, I can discern by our living that we haven't quite gotten it. That we don't, we, we, we have some terms. We, we have the rhetoric down. I, I mean, we, we really do. We can, in almost any conversation, we can invoke divine spirit. And God is all there is and then turn around and cuss them all out. And so what I get is, is that we, it's not that, that we don't have some information. It's almost as if we haven't fully cooked it. You know, we, we got it going on, but you know what that's like. like. Like my, well, I don't know why this comes, but my mother was really, it seemed to me, really finicky about the preparation of rice. And so there were lessons at the stove because she didn't stand for no sticky rice. She didn't stand, you it couldn't be, it needed to be exactly the, now, me, I, I have a broader acceptance of the preparation for rice. <laughs> you know, I don't, don't play me now with no sticky wet rice uh, burned on the, sub, don't bring me that. But my mother's was very specific about every grain, and she knew. So that meant just, you know, I, you just had to surrender and get that lesson. And I don't mean, it, it wasn't the kind of, of learning that you could, like, get that one time and then kind of roll along. <laughs> Whenever you prepared it, and trust me, you, it's going to be your turn to prepare the rice. It needed to be exactly the way it was on a gas stove. Did I say that part? Okay, so... There is something about, you know, in the game of rice in my household, there was no, like, coming close. I'm told that in horseshoes or something, you can, you know, there's, you get points for being in the ballpark. Not on the rice game in my family of origin. And so what I'm trying to say here is that, that sometimes we, we just want to stand and say, well, I did some rice. You know, like my level of spiritual understanding and practice is, you got rice on the plate, yeah, but I consider it an animal. Unacceptable. And I think sometimes, too often, 
our practice, our application of divine principle is just plain unacceptable. Can I just say that in the context of the rice preparation? That sometimes we, and, and, and here's what I want to offer. Having said that, having kind of laid the gauntlet someplace, I, I want to say I also understand that a part of it, I have compassion and empathy around this because my sense is that we don't get it yet. You know, we stood there at the stove about the rice and we said, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I got it. But the evidence is we didn't get it. And so sometimes we just need a few more opportunities to practice. A few to several to a whole heck of a lot. Opportunities to practice what we think we've already learned. I think every new thought teacher has heard the phrase, I did that already. You know, like, I prayed twice. What's wrong? This stuff doesn't work. You know, but there's something about ingraining it. Yes? Okay, so look at here. Ernest Holmes, what what my intention is, I think from now on or for the near future, is to is to get a little more deeply into some of the phraseology, some of the definitions, so that we can have a greater understanding. I think sometimes part of my challenge is I have agreed to things that I didn't fully understand. You know, I kind of got it. Like, I know words like that. And so I made up what that meant, and thus I made up what was expected of me. Y'all are far advanced far more advanced than I. But I'm the one on mic, so we're just going to have to play it at my level of consciousness. Y'all are advanced, but maybe share it with a friend who's on my level and needing this, all right? So look, Ernest Holmes says, no greater good can come to you than to know that the power already within you is the power to live, the power to create. He's like, there isn't anything else. That's a drop mic moment, if you will. Yes, he's saying that if you get that part, that there is a power already within you and that it is the power to live and the power to create, not only to create for you, but for others, for everybody, the power to do good, the power to heal, the power to prosper, you are to realize that the power within you is a divine authority. So I don't know what it's going to take for us to get that. I really don't. But what I know is that there is an opportunity for us to come into divine awareness, like like maybe just repeating that, writing that down. When you get the recap, printing out that, I don't know what you're going to do. Watch the, rewatch it and write it down. Because some of you are saying, I don't want to do all that. I want you just to, you know, I'm just going to take a photo of it. Well, if the mind worked that way, and it doesn't, The smartphone works that way, so the smartphone has it forever. You, on the other hand, have it hidden in a file you may not ever find again. So do you see the distinction? You take the photo and the smartphone got it. You're going to have to delete it specifically out of the smartphone. But you don't have it. If you were to write it out, I know this is old school. You don't even have a utensil, do you? 
an instrument for writing. Handy. Get one. Because the practice of writing this down word by word will be like your smartphone taking the picture of it and having it. I hope you get the distinction because you're not the smartphone. Look, this divine power is a giver of life and of joy. It proclaims the kingdom of heaven which is at hand the harmony of the soul, and the unity of all being. Ernest Holmes goes on to say, this power within you responds definitely to direct conscious thought. So it is forever imagined. This is not what's happening. But for a mind like mine, imagine that it's listening in all the time. What if you knew, like some of our friends in the 60s and 70s, that your phone was tapped. <laughs> Don't you, you already know you going to talk different. If you knew or truly believed your line was tapped. And I'm going to add a little spice to it. Like maybe by your mother-in-law. Or by your boss. <laughs> Somebody dropped something. <laughs> or by your boss. You, I, I mean, I, I want to really get it in there. Because some of you are feeling maybe a little pious. Like that wouldn't make a difference. Oh, Really? Let's name somebody, because <laughs> I'm believing if we get down to that name, you would think twice before you said that. Consider it that way, where you're thinking twice before, because what? It is responding to your direct conscious thought. So imagine that it is tapped in, because it is, but that's not really the way it's happening. It is you. It's not tapping into you. you tapping into it. But I don't have time for all that right now. So we're just going to act like it's listening in on you. And you know it. So now you're like, ooh, I'm going to be a little more careful about my conscious thinking. That that I'm aware of thinking. Yes? And being and doing. Somebody's going to have to help me out here. No one can hinder your use of this power. No one. No one, no one. Your use of this power is for you and you have carte blanche with it. You can do whatever it is you want with it. <laughs> but you can't just slip and slide. If you do, you can, yes you can. You can slip and slide, you're gonna have some slippery slidey results, outcomes. Life experience, evidence of the power of the divine. Ernest Holmes says, you not only have the same power at the center of your being, where there is no contradiction to this divine authority. You have access to all the power there is. To the only God there is. To a person, we have all said God is all there is and then acted just like that's not true. What I'm working on for me is to straighten that out. And so I'm offering us an opportunity to, to see all of this different because when we do, when we when we acknowledge that what Ernest Holmes, what I just read and what you read for yourself, when we acknowledge that this is true, 
we begin to see the divine not through our limited sense, not through our limited sense of our cousin or our uncle or our teacher or our mentor. You, you understand what I'm saying? We begin to see the divine or act, we begin to anthropomorphize the divine. We're going to make it like daddy, which means that daddy didn't always do everything we wanted. Daddy didn't do, well, daddy might not even been there. Our mother still may not have met your needs exactly the way you wanted them to be met. But the divine is beyond that. It has a masculine and a feminine aspect. It has those aspects to it. But it's not replicating that. Our sense of the divine, we cannot yet comprehend. No one can. Our goal is to see it in the broadest terms, to see it in the places we haven't seen it yet, to see it in the places we thought it wasn't, to see it in the places we thought it can't be there. Because if it was there, how could that even be so? Take your time with it, because we can't answer, we probably can't answer the questions, period. But we certainly can ask, answer them in the first sentence. And we're just getting to this. Our goal is to expand our sense of the divine. Ernest Holmes, in, in the back of the Science of Mind, his seminal work, which we refer to as the Science of Mind textbook, there are meditations. I am more and more going to be drawing from those because I have a sense that a bunch of us don't know they're there, and if we knew, we forgot. And they are very powerful, and we can benefit from using them. And so this is one of them. It's entitled, His Eye is on the Sparrow, and I Know He Watches Me. Ernest Holmes says, this is a blessed thought, for it means that we cannot wander from his, capital H, meaning the divine, because, first of all, let's just get the gender pronouns out. Let's just handle this. We're not allowing gender profiles to stop our blessing. Pronouns, gender, not pro, what did, did I say profiles? I meant pronouns. We're not allowing that to stop our blessings. Everything Ernest Holmes said and wrote, or we think he said or wrote, was said in a time where important writings all referred to the masculine pronoun. It just was. And sometimes it, I often go in and change them, change man to human, etc. Here we go. This notion of his presence really is intended for the divine, but you know it has to be a his, her. Because the divine presence is both masculine and feminine. And given the order of life, it has to be feminine. It has to be, because you can't birth nothing without the feminine. It has to be. You cannot. Nothing comes to being. Certainly not human life. Yeah? Okay. So, look. He, the way he wrote it is that he says, for it means we cannot wander from his presence nor depart from his care. Always, he, the divine, will watch over us and comfort us. 
forever we shall sit in the house of the divine and ceaselessly be cared for by the divine. I need you to hear this and like soak it up. Be a sponge today. Soak this up so that whatever it is you think you're dealing with, you put whatever you're dealing with in this. Not try to fit this into the problem or the issue. Yes? All right. The all-seeing eye, the divine, cannot overlook anyone. What does that mean about your situation, circumstance? It means it's under the purview of the divine if you just let go. But we often are claiming it and holding on so hard, so clenching our fist to hold on to whatever the problem is, resistant to, old folks used to say, take it to the altar. Take it to, why? So that you can let it go, to leave it there. Yes, the all-seeing eye cannot overlook anyone, including you and your situation, circumstance, and all shall be kept in its care. All are kept in its care. And so Liberta will be singing, his eye is on the sparrow. You can start coming even earlier.
What a treat. What a treat. Thank you, Liberta. Thank you. Thank you, Tammy. Oh, could, did the hair on, did the little hair stand up for you too? <laughs> oh, did your spirit just quake with, you, you see, I, I wanted to, to layer these things so that, so that we might drop into a place of greater trust in the divine, that, that, that the crack in our spirit, the, the crack where, where doubt typically seeps in, maybe today, rather than doubt, clarity, certainty. Maybe just for today, I'm not going to ask, well, I am going to ask you for all week, but let's just start for today. Just for today, having heard her beautiful voice and the, the, the melodies played by Tammy, maybe we can hear it. Maybe we can hear it that the divine takes care of all that needs to be taken care of. And that includes your little business, too. What, whatever your little challenge is, that's included in this. His eye is on the sparrow. Do you, have you all seen a sparrow? Sometimes we, sometimes we sing the song and we don't know. We might be thinking this is an ostrich-sized bird. We might be thinking, well, let's say you weren't thinking that big, but you might have been thinking crow. <laughs> you know, a bird is a bird. Some of y'all are thinking, but I need you to know that a sparrow is a small bird. So the point of this is if the divine, if the all in all, if the living one, the strong one has its eye, and it don't really have no eye. Y'all understand we are anthropomorphizing it. But if it is looking at out after the little sparrow, which you can't even find hardly, then it must be handling your stuff too if you would just allow it. Ooh. There's a part of me that feels like I'm going to sit down and ask Liberta to sing that again. But we got other stuff. We, it's going to be another time though for that. But look, look, look at here. Ernest Holmes offers that God is within, God is within me the God, I'm sorry, the God that is within me is truth, beauty, harmony, and wholeness. That every, watch this, every apparent imperfection from which I suffer is a result of ignorance. Every apparent imperfection from which I suffer, meaning am at the effect of tripping about, is a result of my ignorance. Because ignorance of the law excuses no one from it, its effects, it follows that the very power which has bound me, me when rightly understood and properly used, will produce freedom. We can work this out. We can work this out. Our working it out requires that we let it go. That we see the divine, that we know its eye is on the sparrow, 
So whatever this is, is handled in the divine, rightly understood and properly used, properly engaged, yes? I'm going to talk a little more about that. I want to, there's, what is that movie? Uh, Melanie uh, Griffin, she is, uh, now see, I hate it when I'm out here without a net or nothing. Um, oh, she has shoulder pads and big hair. Working girl, that's what it is. These are my people. You hear me? My lifeline right here present, working girl. In that film, in that film, there's a scene where there's a question about whose idea is it? Whose idea is it? And the one person who's claiming it's their idea, who is the more powerful person in the scenario, lays it out in some boogity boogity. You know, blah, blah, blah. Melanie Griffith's character, was that who it was? Okay, good, because I mixed her up with somebody else. But Melanie Griffith is now asked, you're right, that's who the other one was. Uh, Melanie Griffith is then asked, so how did you come up with the idea? Oh, and she starts linking it up because I went there and saw that and then I figured that and then I read this and then over here was this. And when she finished connecting the dots, she had a thing. That's the way my mind works. Y'all pray for me. So look, I say that to say, buckle up. (laughs) Here we go on how today came together. So look, you know, we've been playing with Luke 6. Why are you calling me, Lord, if you're not listening to nothing I say? So there's something I'm saying that could make a difference, and obviously you're not using that. I'm not going to work with the rest of it because we've been there. What this brought up for me was, and I said this to my little mastermind, that what this reminds me of is souffle, the baking of souffle. And I say that because it is said that souffle is so simple. It only takes a few ingredients. I have a a little recipe here to show you. All it takes is some butter, a little flour, not even much butter, not even much flour, a little salt, a little pepper, a little milk, lots of egg though, four eggs, two egg whites. Ooh, some of y'all already got shaky with the egg whites because you know, we tremble. When you start separating eggs, we're like, I ain't doing that because I know that if I can't have no yolk in the white, then it's going to be a mess. I can't be trusted with that. It requires what, what you must do to make a souffle is it requires just the right amount of whipping and folding of egg whites to work. So now if I said, so we're going to do it, you first of all would need to understand what whipping and folding is. Okay, so look. Think Melanie Griffith, working world. I need you to pray for me in the process. You understand what I'm saying? Look, I happen to be a big Schitt's Creeks fan. So during season two, they had a segment called Fold in the Cheese. Let me just, for those of you who have been on another planet somewhere, and obviously that planet does not give you TV permission or Netflix permission, You don't know that in this scene, Moira Rose, played by Valda, (laughs) directs her son David, played by David, to cook enchiladas from her mother's recipe. And um, 
when you watch the show, and we're going to post the clip, the link for the clip, it's a hot mess. It's going to be less of a hot mess here, but here we go. I turn it over to them. What does that even mean? What does fold the cheese even mean? You fold it in. I understand that, but how? How do you fold it in? David, I can't show you everything. Okay, well, can you show me one thing? Do I fold it in like a piece of paper and drop it in the pot? Or what, what do I do? I don't know how to fold broken cheese like that. And I can't make it any clearer. You just fold it in. <sighs> you take, the, take that thing that's in your hand and just... If you say fold it in one <laughs> more time. It says fold it in. Right Look, this is your recipe. You fold in the cheese. David, you fold it. No, I'm good. Nope. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Nope. So, you have now seen what can happen when we're unclear about the terms. Yes? Yes. And what I love about this scene, I've just... I absolutely love this scene because it represents so clearly how we often just don't know and some because it represents both aspects of how we can be in this. One aspect is that we don't know. We authentically don't know and we say, I don't know, what does that mean? And then the other aspect of this is we pretend like we know what that means and we don't. We don't know what that means. So for some of us, this notion of turn it over to God, take it to the altar, let it go, forgive, even forgive is a more, we, can you see how we pretend? Somebody says, for, just forgive. And the brave, the courageous among us say, but how do I forgive? Just forgive. Just like Morris Rollier, just forgive, just do it. Just forgive, and you're left with knowing you still don't know. David's role, and let me just celebrate David and Valda, because <coughs> I tell you, because one of the things that I used to say about me, and others have said as well, is that I can turn on a dime. But now it turns out I'm turning on Bitcoin <laughs> as well <laughs> because once this came to me in a Melanie Griffith kind of way from, as a working girl, <laughs> once it came to me, it was like, we got to do this. I got to bring it because it's a way, um, it's a way of illustrating how lost we can be just how lost we can be and not even have sufficient support. So, so here's the thing. 
because a lot of us still don't know what folding in is. So let me just be clear, because you know I know. <laughs> you know I know. Why? Because you know I do the research. That's how I know. Folding in is basically stirring gently from the bottom upward. So in this instance, they're making a sauce. And the idea is to put the cheese in without breaking up the sauce. So you begin put the cheese in, but fold the sauce over the cheese. Not just put the cheese in and stir it up, whip it up. You understand? Okay. So Moira did not understand it, nor did David, and it was just a hot mess. But we're going to come to some understanding. So look, Ernest Holmes offers us in that same piece I was just sharing earlier, the God with, that is within me is truth, beauty, harmony, and wholeness. So what's wholeness? So, okay, you see what I'm saying? We, we bandy it about, don't we? Like fold it in, fold in the wholeness. We just like holding the spoon, like what, how? So look, I'm offering that wholeness is the state of being unbroken, undamaged. So now somebody would say, Rev, you done now, because that changes everything. When you realize, if you're willing, that God within me includes a state of being unbroken and undamaged. Not just as a passing thought, but as an absolute knowing, a belief system, a full awareness. Is this making sense? Ernest goes on to, Holmes goes on to say, every apparent imperfection from which I suffer is a result of ignorance. And I know y'all responded to that, ignorance, because we've heard that term, but what does it mean? Today it means a lack of knowledge and information. So I know sometimes when, when we think somebody is ignorant, what we're really saying is that they're unaware. They don't have all the information. We use it like a slur, though. But what it really means is the absence of the required information. So sure enough, every apparent imperfection from which I suffer is because I did not understand I didn't know who I was. I didn't know whose I was. I didn't have a full understanding, did not have the data, the information required. Ignorant describes the person in a state of unawareness. Could include cognitive dissonance. It's just a point, a state of unawareness. And we come in and out of it. There could be some part of that scene where David or whoever is cooking could know some part of it. But they don't know the full part. So the outcome cannot be the full intended outcome. Why? Because you don't know how to do part of it. Is this helping? Are you? Okay, because it's just like, mm. okay, look. Ernest Holmes says, because ignorance of the law excuses no one from its effects, it follows that the very power which has bound me, what's bound? Okay, the very power which has bound me, as if fastened by a band, confined, the very 
power which has confined me. Why? Because I'm using it to reinforce lack and limitation. I'm using the power to reinforce poor health. Why? Because when I'm given a diagnosis and or prognosis, I start claiming it as mine. I'm not even going to say to what, you know, because just know. Y'all know what you do. You know, it's my whatever. And, I, you know, folks, back in the day, my arthritis would be, that feels, I don't have none, so I'm like, okay. Yeah, but you, you understand what I'm saying? It's, 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 we're confining ourselves. We're using the power, and then out the power, we're using the power, and then we're accessing the divine power with the power of our word as an affirmation and a declaration. And so we are confining the breadth and scope of our life experience to the misapplication of the power. Clearly an example of ignorance. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't know that they're reinforcing the very thing they do not want. It follows that the very power which has confined me when rightly understood, okay, what's understood? It's to perceive the meaning. You see, it's what removes the ignorance, if you will. It's what, it, it, it's what um, ameliorates the the ignorance is an understanding because now you can get to it. So the idea is to, it's gr the grasp of an idea. It's comprehension to be thoroughly familiar with. See, if we were thoroughly familiar with folding, we'd have had some enchiladas. But they didn't have a prayer of coming up with no enchiladas. Given, you understand? Because one didn't know and wouldn't say they didn't know. And the other one is frustrated because that one's believing you got to know. To assign meaning to, to interpret, to grasp the significance of whenever I say I, whenever I say I am, whenever I say my, when you grasp the significance of that, you are understanding the impact of it. Y'all better come on now. Yes. Yes. Okay. So when rightly understood and properly used will produce freedom. You know we got to go there. Freedom. The power or right sense entitlement to act, speak, and think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Freedom. Freedom. It will produce freedom if we shift how we interact with truth. It's not, see, I haven't said nothing you don't know on some level. Where our work is is at the level of practice. That's where it is. Look here. Ernest Holmes reminds us that the principle is infallible and the practice, uh-uh, 
no, is the practice is what we make of it. That the principle is infallible and the practice is what we make of it. Unsplit the screen for me, please. And because that is the truth, that the principle is that God is, that the living one, the strong one, the all in all source is and is truly all there is. That principle is infallible. It's our practice of it. Do we practice it as an absolute infallible principle or not? I'm going to stop giving examples of what I don't want manifested, so let me just say or not. Because what we can know for certain is that we are all light beings and that the light beings we are, we can choose to be that in the world. Everywhere we go. You See, I know when you come to Heart and Soul, you're loving all the people, but you're not necessarily like that at BART. <laughs> you're at the, at the Safeway, at the Berkeley Bowl. You're not necessarily just greeting all the people with the same love you're greeting. The people you have never met at Heart and Soul. You but if the principle is infallible, it's got to be our practice of it. So we could, we could simply decide that the light that each of us is, I could decide right now, and declare that I'll let my light shine. Now that flies in the face of what I learned, discerned, concluded from my growing up. See, somewhere in there, I concluded that it was not safe for a girl child, specifically this one, to let her light shine. And so I became a master of cloaking the light. But I knew where I could, I knew where to throw off the cloak and just be all the light. You see, the principle is infallible. The practice is what we make of it. Today, I just ask you to let, join me. Join me in expanding my capacity. Your, I expand mine. You expand yours. We expand our capacity to let our light shine. Liberty.
ask you to just center yourselves. I'm inclined to say assume the position, whatever that position is for you. And it's different for different people. Some feel that, now at you're at home, that could mean lie down. Lie down and just, you know, like dead man's pose. Just to be still and available nothing withheld. For others, it's sit straight up so that the crown chakra, if there was a golden cord that would go through the crown chakra to the floor, that that cord would be straight in every way. For someone else, it's in an open hand posture. I don't know what the position is for anyone other than myself. I just ask that you join me in an attitude of gratitude and divine availability to spirit as we fold in a practice, a practice of stillness and knowing. And I, as I promised, am drawing from the Science of Mind textbook from page 549 and 550. It's entitled, I Am Complete in Thee. And so it is in divine recognition that there is one life and that that life is whole, it's perfect, it's complete. It's the life of the living one, the strong one. I am living this life, even as this life is living me. We are all living this life, the life of the living one, the strong one, even as the living one, the strong one, is living each and every one of us. We are breathing the breath of the divine, of source. And the breath of source is breathing each and every one of us. And I declare in the words that Ernest Holmes wrote, Almighty God, everlasting good, eternal spirit, maker of all things and keeper of my life, thou art all. Infinite presence within, in whom I all live, Joy supreme, flooding all with gladness. I adore thee. Eternal peace, undisturbed and quiet. I feel thy calm. O thou who dost inhabit eternity and dost dwell within all creation, who dost live through all things and in all people, hear thou my prayer. I would enter thy gates with joy and live at peace in thy house. I would find a resting place in thee and in thy presence live. Make me do thy will and from thy wisdom teach me the ways of truth. Compel me to follow thee and let me not pursue the path of my own counsel. O oh, eternal and blessed presence, illumine my mind and command my will that my soul may be refreshed and that my life may be renewed. As deep cries unto deep, so my thought cries unto thee, and thou dost answer. I am renewed and refreshed. My whole being responds to thy love and I am complete in thee. All of my ways are guarded and guided, and I live with thee eternally, O lover of my soul and keeper of my spirit. 
none can separate us, for we are one. So shall thy wisdom guide me, thy presence dwell within me, thy love keep me, and thy life envelop me now and for forevermore. It is an absolute perfect gratitude that I accept these words that quake my spirit to awaken it to the truth that principle is infallible. And this uplevels my practice. And for this I am grateful. Grateful for these words that resonate in my spirit. Grateful for this truth that illumines my living. Grateful for this opportunity for us to be together virtually. Grateful. Simply grateful. So in gratitude and thanksgiving, I simply release this word. I know and am intentionally propelling it into the perfect activity of law. I know that this is done and done well in the divine. And so I let it be with me. And so it is. Ashe. Amen. Love truly, truly does matter.